Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Wheelhouse DNA. Hi, everyone. My name is Boye Koloday. And I'm Chris Sautel. And welcome to The Future Forecast, a podcast where we explore the intersection between business, technology, and entertainment. Today, we're looking ahead. We're going to talk about how Disney's betting a billion dollars on Epic Games, how kids think books are cool again, and, well, we got to talk about the Apple Vision Pro. And today, we've got a treat. We've actually got a pair in studio. So we're going to be speaking from a place of authority about the Apple Vision Pro. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. Woo! All right, but before we do that, we got to talk about the big game. I don't want to talk. I mean, you know what? Not to, you know, the, <laughs> improv, they say, say yes. I don't want to talk about it. Didn't get the Detroit Lions to play. Didn't get Baltimore. Freaking Patrick Mahomes and the Swifties get to have their day. We get it, guys. <laughs> talk about a Disney story. I know. I know. The only thing that was missing was a proposal. It's rigged. <laughs> I thought it was a good game. Like, towards the end. In the beginning, it was kind of a little slow. And I wanted the Niners to win. I was really sad. And Brock Purdy looked really sad. But you know what we didn't talk about? And I'm just going to rip the Band-Aid off and say it. Because, you know, for maybe I didn't enjoy the Super Bowl. Because Vegas didn't only leave its cigarette smoke all over me. But it definitely let me know deep down that you don't only get Moctezuma's revenge in Mexico. In you, Vegas, too. Oh, in Vegas, too. Oh, no. What happened? I don't know where I got it. No one else got it. No one else. I ate the same food as everyone else. And we're not going to get a brand deal from them. So I'll make my only speculation. You know, you go to Italy, out of <laughs> Vegas. You get some, you, you, you're looking to be healthy. You get some chicken and some Brussels sprouts. Oh, no. I don't know. Maybe some E. coli got. So you like, did you even go to events or like what? Uh, you know, what? I'll give you this. This is, this is where it went. Uh, I discovered the event or I discovered that this was all coming to light when we were at the Wynn Hotel and we just got there and we decided that we we're going to play some roulette and a little, little stomach irk. And next thing you know, I had to rush to the bathroom, and uh, then I then I was Gollum. I was deep in a cave for Dang. two days while everyone else activated uh, their events. I activated Pepto-Bismol, and uh, yeah. A Pepto so, cocktail. <laughs> it was a strawberry <laughs> cocktail filled with Pepto. Wow. Well, you, so, look, you look good today. Oh, because of the weight loss? Oh, yeah, I guess so. Well, if you, well you have a glow about you. Yeah, that's right. Guys, uh, go to Italy. Vegas, get some food poisoning. I highly <laughs> recommend it. All right. Well, glad you're feeling better. We should talk about the first topic. Disney invests in Epic Games. So last week, we actually did a story all about the behind-the-scenes drama going on at Disney with Nelson Peltz and the Blackwells Group and how all these investors are trying to gain control of the company. So our story today might be a result 
of those tensions at play. Uh, but before we get to that, I just have to read you a quote. Oh, here we go. This is the quote. I am predicting that Disney is going to acquire a gaming company like an Ubisoft, Activision, Blizzard, etc. in the same vein of how they acquired Marvel, Fox, Pixar. It just makes sense. I'm going to vomit. <laughs> and they've proven that it's really hard for them to create new things in-house, and so they've done it by acquisition. Who said that quote? Oh, is... Um, the famous Al- scholar. Albert Einstein? <laughs> Thomas Jefferson? All I'm saying is... Four score and seven <laughs> minutes ago, I boy a holiday. <laughs> the futurist of all future <laughs> visions. That was that was a hot take, um, so I'm going to notch that one I, on the board. I, I, I think that it has to be a half point. Okay. I will give that to you because it's technically not an acquisition. Ha-ha, I win. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's, it's an investment, but what it means is that they are... They are investing into the gaming space in a big way. And it was actually $1.5 billion um, into Epic Games. And their whole thing is they want to create sort of a Disney universe leveraging the Epic Games talent, right? So taking Avatar, Marvel, Star Wars, and creating a gaming sort of center. And already they've done deals before. So Disney's licensed their characters to Fortnite, et cetera. So it kind of makes sense that they would grow into a deeper partnership there was a minute where they were deeply talking during the nft wave and craze there there was a time and space where they were everyone was looking at disney to see how are they going to handle collectibles given how well they do in their merch and i wouldn't be surprised that this conversation was being paralleled because obviously i'd be once they release it i can't imagine this is something that happened over the six months this had to have been something heavily in the works for some time i agree with that so that this could be a a clear indication as to why they pivoted or didn't even entertain really moving forward with nfts because yeah this is what that rollout's going to be or or, or in replacement of. yeah well historically disney has i mean credit to disney they've always tried to be innovative and in all it hasn't always worked out tried well, tried is the key word, right? You know, an example, I think around 2016 or so, Disney Interactive Studios shut down. And that was their gaming play. They were building, you know, interactive gaming, blah, blah, blah. And, and they couldn't do it on their own. And so they've had a penchant to license IP for everywhere. And it kind of makes sense that they're doing gaming. And I actually think, you know, you mentioned this has taken... Uh, probably more than six months, which which I would agree. However, I do feel like it's probably still in response to what's happening with the activist investors. You know, Nelson Peltz has been on their back for, I feel like, almost a year, maybe maybe longer. And the funny thing is, this is what Bob does best. He He acquires, he invests, he partners with big companies and that's why he gets rewarded and that's why wall street rewards him you know after this announcement disney stock actually went up and the funny thing i feel is this might be a hot take but i don't think disney has the magic anymore really i i I really don't and and i love disney by the way Let, let me caveat with that and and the reason i say this is they have to acquire companies, invest in companies 
to be successful. You know, you read The Ride of a Lifetime, Iger's biography, and in it, it's really about the acquisitions that he's had through Fox, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and throughout, he's celebrated. That was his legacy, and those platforms made money. But every single one of those properties right now is floundering. And the funny thing is, you, and you learn about this, when he acquired Pixar, it's because Disney Animation was no longer doing well. And so we were talking earlier about Disney Interactive Studios, the gaming. It wasn't doing well. So what does he do? He invests in a gaming company. So I think, I don't know if it's Disney being too big or, or whatever, but something about the soul of the corporation is they feel more like a holding company than they necessarily do like an innovation workshop. And, and maybe they masquerade themselves as, a, as an innovation workshop. Because were, we were talking about Apple and how Apple is almost the opposite. Yeah, that's a great point. Apple was built off the backbone of product. Yet here you have Disney and even Meta for that matter. They created great tools or Disney creating great entertainment that ebbs and flows for relevancy. I would say they were companies that created value propositions that ebbed and flowed in relevance, whereas Apple created a proper tool that the universe or the entire society needed and can now develop and enhance time and time again. We're looking at three different Fortune 500 companies, but two different buckets. Apple sitting in a product realm where they're pushing their product and owning the manufacturing for that product and enhancing it time and again and making sure that there's a call to action to purchase. Hence the tech bros and fanboys, and we'll experience that with the Apple Vision Pro today. And then you have Disney and Meta, who created phenomenal uh, products or value, but needed to, in order to, in order to stay relevant, acquire yep. other businesses. Yeah. In order to and and suck the juice or the magic, for that matter, using yeah. your your point to stay relevant. I mean, look at look at Instagram. Yeah. Instagram. Great moment in time. Obviously, we all very much still use it, but it's now kind of been sucked into the meta sphere. Facebook no longer really is in existence. It's just yeah. meta. Well, it's funny because you you mentioned Facebook, and I, I mean, and now that you correlate them to Disney, the reason why these companies are acquiring is because they're pushing for attention. They're pushing for time, and they realize that the core products that they had originally created are no longer servicing that time and attention. And so they have to find competitors, collaborators in order to continue sucking that time. And it's funny and probably smart at the end of the day that Iger is moving into sort of the gaming interactive space, especially off the backs of, you know, the Apple Vision Pro launching. They're a big piece of that with their interactive app. We were talking about Meta. Like all these companies are actually pushing towards this AR VR space in order to continue to grab that time and attention, which is really interesting to see. To read or not to read, that is the question. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of immersive experiences, uh, this next topic is almost, it's the other side of the coin in a way. So there's new data showing that Gen Z's most favorite, quote unquote, immersive experience is actually old school. They're reading 
now more than ever. So according to one of the big management consultants, uh, McKinsey, book sales in the U.S. and U.K. have boomed over the past two years. And Gen Z is passionate about digital detoxing. Uh, and the trend, actually, we've kind of seen it, right? Book talk on TikTok, you know, it's burned sort of that content. And Spotify has even gotten into the audio book game, although albeit different than Audible. And there's something going on with reading, which is, I think is great in a sense, but it's nuanced because I, I feel like Gen Z, you think of Gen Z and you don't think books. This is really hard for me. I don't want to disagree with the suits. I don't want to disagree with the data or at least the data that's being presented to us. But I find it really hard to really believe this. I'm, I'm sure that there's plenty of people that actually still read. But what's the age demo? What's the re- They're saying Gen Z. Gen Z is 12 to 27. Yeah, I'm smirking because I feel like you just gave me an aha moment. Because I remember when we were looking at this data, we were like, yeah, Gen Z doesn't read. But now that we're like in middle school, we're like, duh. Like, they're it's in so school. Obvious. Yeah. <laughs> the Scholastic Book Fair. Like, I, I loved reading as a kid, right? I, I guarantee... What did you read, though? What was, like, the one book? You mentioned the Scholastic Book Fair. Like, you opened the pamphlet. You did the whole thing. I mean, it, like, so I don't know how it was at your school, but they would bring books into, like, the school, and, and you could buy all these different books, whether, anything from Harry Potter to Animorphs. And, yeah, but you can't remember, like, the first one. You were like, oh, man. I, I really was vibing with Potter and Animorphs. A cop out. What do you I mean? That is such a freaking cop out. They're good. You got marketed both of those books before you even got to the Scholastic Book Fair. So don't give me this trash that you like. Like, I want that. Like, I walked to the Scholastic Book Fair and I was looking around and I didn't even know what this book was, but like, it was a really cool, like, it was a long time ago. Do ever. you have a book? Do you have a book that you're This isn't about me, boy. I, I was asking you about your experience. I wasn't asking yeah. you so that you could then just ask me the question. I'm very invested in your life, sir. <laughs> Why, thank you. So 2017 data from the Pew Research Center showed that 53% of millennials had gone to their local library over the previous 12 months. By comparison, that same study found that 45% of Gen Xers and 43% of baby boomers visited public libraries. And a different study, uh, this was in last November from the American Library Association, took a survey about over 2,000 respondents had visited a physical library within the past 12 months. And this was for Gen Z and millennials, a survey about them. Not all of them are bookworms. According to the report, 43% of Gen Z and millennials don't actually identify as readers, but half of those non-readers still visited their local library in the past year. To me, that's the black spot on yeah. the data that I really wanted to itch at. What I do think is interesting, and I think that should be really highlighted, talking about the visiting of libraries, mm-hmm. I think really more highlights the need for this generation or young people developing in this world. Where are their parents? They're working. We've gone through COVID. We've gone through... I mean, we've still mentioned COVID. Obviously, it was a huge, impactful moment for the entire world. Yeah. But we've had financial strife. And the people that are really having to bear down and are dealing with it, not only are the parents to make money, but the kids finding refuge, escaping into video games, 
going to the movies. They don't really go to the movies. They're going to the mall because they're bored and they have nowhere to go. So they're congregating with all their friends. That's not new. It's no different than what was happening in the seventies. But now with the libraries, what can you do? Find sanctuary at a library where I look like I'm studying. My parents know that I'm there. So you're, it's probably dictated by, by one's parents to say, Hey, I'm going to drop you off the library or Hey, after school, go to the library and I'll pick you up there around 4.35 when they get off work. Well, I think I think there's that. And I think, though, there's maybe a positive note to it, too, which is this idea that young people genuinely like to learn. You know? Okay, come on. Well, I, I think that... You, hey, didn't, you didn't skip school? You didn't skip school back in the day? I don't think I really did. All right, well, I did. Uh, <laughs> maybe, you know what? But did you go to the library when you skipped school? <laughs> come on do you feel this is a rebellion against a move like disney that's wanting to invest in gaming and vr and ar and here we're talking about just like reading about jane Eyre. no i think it's more a rebellion against passive participation i think we're so much we're we you've highlighted now that we're in a battle for attention and in that battle whether it's on the iphone products like vision pro ar vr entertainment entertainment gaming consoles etc live activations what is starting to become less of a value is i don't mean to say scripted and unscripted content but the tv and film sector tends to be less of a value prop because it's not enhancing the individuals self meaning when i watch a tiktok i can scroll by way of tiktok or instagram and and a lot of the content that is shareable or does well is either funny goofy sound bits that i can share and be say this is relatable to my friend but there's also a, a robust amount of content that is actually giving me dating advice relationship advice financial advice though maybe sometimes they shouldn't (laughs) but 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 because of that i immediately get little quick bites of inspiration or motivation and if in fact to your point about the data being true i think that same consumption really highlights more that people are looking to find ways to learn more than ever so they can enhance their personal selves yeah and they're seeing the value of it and understanding it more than ever. Yeah. One more thought that I have in regards to kind of the Disney point is at the end of the day, it's all stories, right? Like Disney's built on IP and stories. And so are these very books that people are connecting to. Yeah. So maybe there is something there. Speaking of sort of this intersection of passive entertainment and storytelling and VR, AR. Uh, we should talk about the Apple Vision Pro. Ooh, let's talk about the Apple Vision Pro. So the Vision Pro costs a lot. How much? So the basic headset costs about $3,500, but um, rumor has it people are spending like 5 k on this beast. What? 5 k 
and uh, Apple released their new headset, as we know. It's been a couple weeks. People are talking about it, at the very least. Some people love it. Some people hate it. But one thing that I feel is really unique is how it's sort of hit pop culture. You see people taking photos of it, videos of it, making memes of it. In a way, it's become a fashion statement, even though, like, really, are people going to walk around with it? But kind of like a status symbol, too. It's very disheartening. Is it smart marketing? Yes. I would say that it's extremely frustrating and disheartening to see a company like Apple. I don't go to Apple because I I want to participate in being a one percenter. I've always gone to it because it's always sold themselves as the top quality product advancing society, helping bring society to the next wave, uh, uplifting all of us and giving us, it's almost what was, I think they did a commercial almost like big brother going against the grain and reconstructing society as a whole. And now it's really more just saying, Hey, we're really cool. We're almost like a Rolex. Why don't you show all your friends how you have the thing that none of them have? I actually think, I think Apple does both. I think they do both. Like when you look at the history of Steve Jobs and what he has created and what he set out to create. But Steve's not around anymore. Correct. But I I do think a lot of the essence of what he built is still there. He set out to make a deeply human product. And I've always found that Apple has done a really great job. For example, the phone, it feels human. It feels like I could go back 200 years and give whoever in, you know, 18th, 17th century uh, America a phone and they'd immediately get it. And we see it with babies, right? So it, it, I only mention that to say I agree that Apple creates products for the people. At the same time, I do think they've somehow, in my opinion, made it feel like a Rolex. Like when you have a phone, you do feel their status. I'd, I'd be very curious to see the margin on the Apple Vision Pro. I don't know the margin, but here's what I'll, here's what I will say. Here's what I do know. So I've been, and we're going to test it out. So be careful because <laughs> I'm going to come in hot. Yeah, no, I, I'm ready for it. But I've been listening to Elon Musk's biography written by Walter Isaacson, who also wrote Steve Jobs's biography. And in it, he talks about how Tesla started with the Roadster. And the Roadster was sort of their premium product, sexy, elegant, uh, like stars were buying it, yeah. movie stars were buying it, and it was meant to essentially fund the rest of their product line. They knew they had one chance to get it right, and that's where they started. The highest cost product they could they made it as sexy as and cool as as they could even though they knew they wanted to make the model three they wanted to make an accessible car for everyone right so i'm not saying that apple's doing this but i will say this is v1 of the product i'm not surprised that it's super expensive it's probably meant for developers to build products and tools for companies to buy to figure it out And I wouldn't be surprised if later on there would be a cheaper version that felt more for the people. You know, in my opinion, I see this technology 
as very advanced, right? Like Google Glass had to crawl so Vision Pro could run in a way. And I fully believe there will be a future where our society will have AR interaction. I think it's it's a no-brainer. It's coming. It's a natural evolution. What they have to fix, in my opinion, is the headset, is the way in which we view that AR. Can we get the Apple Vision Pro in glasses like you're, what you're wearing or in contacts? When that happens, it's a complete no-brainer. Right now, you know, you have to put it on and wear it and 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 it's heavy and so on and so forth. And so I think that's what's going to be interesting to answer the values. Who's using it? What tools are they using it for? Why are they using it? And then I think you can determine what the costs are. And I think it'll vary for different people. Yeah. If, I think some people will be like, I don't know what to do with this. And other people will be like, I live in this every day. And because I live in it every day, I'm going to go with the Vision Pro because I need the best, right? And other people might be like, well, because... I'm just playing, you know, Ninja Fruit Warrior. I'm just going to get the Meta Quest, you know, because it's it's my counsel. Yeah. So we've been talking about all of this in theory, but uh, we have a special guest, our friend Nem, in the studio, brought an Apple Vision Pro for us to try on. Nem, what's your last name, or do you just are you are you Neo? <laughs> no, Nem, Nem Perez. He's actually a really great director here in LA. He's always innovative. As an aside, he's actually not sure if he'll keep it, uh, but I'm still I'm happy he has it today because we're gonna we're gonna try it on and give our thoughts. If you want to watch our reactions to the Apple Vision Pro, be sure to check us out on socials. You can find our handles in the show notes and let us know what you think. So guys, what you're not experiencing, and for those listening, what's cool about this is, is my eyes are in fact the mouse. So as I look around, that ends up being my actual scroller, and then actually to click, you basically are bringing your thumb and your index finger together as if you're clicking down on the mouse. Very cool. I mean, it's a phenomenal advancement. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and not say that I'm blown away by the graphic design and, and what Apple's done here. It's a phenomenal product. But I look at this and I go, cool, so what do I do now? What do I do next? I, I need to see the gaming experience. I think something that needs to be acknowledged is the amount of strain on the eyes and face when wearing. And I've only worn it, I only wore it for five minutes. Okay. Uh, wow, this is, this is sick. I'm like... This is, I feel like I'm in the TV show Yellowstone. All right. Yeah, I, I, I love this. I think this is, this is dope. I feel like this is basically like I could just do work. Like I could search and play on my laptop, but I think it's like, how can I be practical and, and live in this world and work in this world while having like a really heavy headset on? You know, so I think that's just like the hard part. Otherwise, I think this is like great. It's just, I think people need to create practical apps that make me feel like I would use this every day and use this of value. Otherwise, I don't know what I, what I need it for, even though I love, I truly love the experience. All right. Thank you, Nem, for, for that. That was really cool. Uh, well, it's about that time. About that time. Hot take time. Pew, pew, pew. 
Hot take time. All right, Chris, what's your hot take? Everyone keeps talking about whether we're in a recession or not. And there's been a spike in consumer habits. We've seen a lot of studies talk about consumption for material goods go up. I believe this past year, it's 5%. My hot take is as consumer goods go up, I actually think that entertainment is going to go down. And when I say entertainment, I mean for an episode that's all about attention, we're going to spend less time and attention on streaming platforms and more time and attention on what we're being marketed. We're going to see more and more money being spent in influencer marketing and marketing done by way of social on social programming. And as a result, because we're being marketed more and more goods to buy and buy and buy are the, the consumers are going to have less money for streaming. They're going to make a decision to buy products for their individual selves to wear and do than they will in, in streaming. So streaming platforms blow up and die. Streaming platforms, money going down, merchandise and product go up, go up. Okay. Uh, my hot take is going to be in relation to the Apple Vision Pro that we just put on. I think fundamentally Apple will look at this as a success, even though it's really expensive. And even though people are going to return it at the end of the day, once you've tasted it, you will see that it's revolutionary and it's going to come down to the, the app developers to build programs. And it's going to come down to the subsequent versions of the Apple Vision Pro to make it smaller, to make it more amenable to everyday use. But I think we will look back, you know, several years from now and say, this was the moment that AR, VR became a thing. But anyways, uh, great episode. We walked through a lot of really fun things. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Like, subscribe, leave some reviews, and we'll catch you next week. The Future Forecast is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for ACAST. Our executive producers are me, Boye Ecolade, along with Fanny Baudry, Cassie Berman, and Leah Sutherland. Our audio producer is Chiara Noni. Our audio engineer is Matthew Blocka. Our editor is Nick Kursimi. The podcast is hosted by yours truly, Boye Kolade and Chris Sautel. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.